Senators have been arguing for a while that we need a, a, a special look at the whole dossier question. How, how did that come to be used by the FBI to start looking at people in the Trump orbit and get warrants to spy on Americans and that whole thing? And at first, when it was floated out there, it was seen as like, um, whoa, 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 that's really over the top. Then it got a little more mainstreamed as an idea. Then they openly called for it. And now it's happened. Yes. You know what else has happened? My software has crashed. Can you punch up our guest, please? We're going to have um, another investigate yet another investigation going on. The headline from the Washington Examiner today, Justice Department watchdog opens surveillance probe after allegations of abuse. Ah, yes. And uh, we do we have our guest? No. So we will be discussing that with our guests. Well, my, my, my question is, is there any overlap with what's going on with Mueller? I mean, do we have, would this be the fourth or more uh, investigations of some of the same stuff? Or is this completely different territory? It has gotten a bit dizzying. Kelly Cohen joins us. Kelly's a criminal justice reporter for the Washington Examiner and is writing about uh, federal watchdog reviewing uh, the process by which the Justice Department obtained a surveillance warrant, etc. Kelly, welcome. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. So uh, to Jack's question, how many different investigations do we have going on now? I mean, at this point, we have investigations of investigations. (laughs) I was talking with someone yesterday about it, and they were like, there are so many investigations. There are so many things. But I think it's important to realize kind of what jurisdictions everything has. So the inspector general, for example, Michael Horowitz, he's going to look into, you know, how the FBI and the Justice Department got this FISA warrant. So it's basically the secret wiretap on quote, a certain U.S. person, which we now obviously know is Carter Page, the Trump campaign aide. So an inspector general can only look at so much. He can't subpoena anyone. He can't force anyone to come in and testify. He can't bring criminal charges. So there's that type of investigation. Then we look at a Robert Mueller investigation, and he can bring criminal charges. He can subpoena you. He can kind of go wherever he wants to go. And then we have congressional um, investigations, which kind of I feel like those kind of just look at overarching things, and they'll, you know, as we saw with the House Intelligence And they're so politicized, uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure anybody's going to believe those anyway. Um, uh, So I heard somebody, I think it was somebody from your newspaper, describe this new investigation as the, you could call it the dossier investigation, because that's what it's going to be all about. Right, so it's kind of looking into how, and we saw it, you know, jumping back to the House Intelligence Committee, we saw that, we saw the Republicans release their memo and say, look, when the FBI and the Justice Department went to the wiretap court, they didn't reveal the political motivations behind this dossier. As we know, the guy who wrote the dossier, Christopher Steele, was bankrolled by Democrats in the Hillary Clinton campaign. Republican lawmakers, Trump, they say that the court didn't realize that this information on Carter Page, et cetera, was actually, you know, based in Democratic beliefs. You know, it was opposition. Um, and therefore, the wiretap was kind of tainted, which kind of goes to show that, you know, up at top at the FBI and the Justice Department are all kind of biased. They might be working against Trump, et cetera, et cetera. So this is going to, and it's kind of at the request of the Attorney General, at the nudging of Jeff Sessions, look into what role did that dossier play. And like you said, things are politicized. And, you know, whether you believe the Republican memo or not, you know, we do want to know, you know, maybe they didn't reveal you know, what Christopher Steele, where he was, who he was paid by. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. We don't really know because the court is so secret and we won't really get that information. So I think an inspector general, they're right down the middle. They're not political. 
They do, you know, they do what they're supposed to do. They're not a Robert Mueller. They're not a congressional committee. They're not a Devin Nunez. They're not a Jeff Sessions. They're not a Trump tweet. So the inspector general is right down the middle. So I think we're going to get probably a lot of answers that both sides of the aisle are looking for in terms of, you know, how wiretaps go about. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what it yields. I'm waiting for the Mueller investigation to wrap up. But, you know, the mention of the dossier and the Republican memo, the Nunez memo, and then the... Shift memo, which said the Nunez memo was uh, was untrue or incomplete, and then there was so specific and convers and, and 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 frankly convincing, uh, yeah. you know, indictment of the Democrat memo. I have no idea what to think. I'm completely mystified by this, and I've tried to figure it out. It's very complicated, and the problem is we'll never see because it is so secret. And I mean, that is you know you're supposed to trust the process. That you know the government is doing its due diligence when it gets a wiretap on someone like a Carter Page or someone like you and me, you know, we don't get to ever see those. We don't get to see the court applications. And it goes through, and I've written about it, the process to get a FISA warrant, you know, we don't even have to talk about Carter Page. The process to get that FISA warrant is very, very intense. It's very, very lengthy. But we'll never get to see that process. We'll never get to really know what happened inside the court. Obviously, lawmakers and journalists and watchdog groups are all pushing for that. Well, that's what I've wondered. Is this going to be our best look at the FISA court that we've ever had? ever had i don't know because maybe maybe not but i think yeah this is probably the least political closest we could actually get and then speaking of the inspector general he's got a lot of other stuff on his plate obviously we saw with the andrew mccabe firing there's a report coming out on how he handled himself during the clinton investigation then there's the probe into the clinton investigation so you know i was telling someone the other day if you really liked political documents this is a great time (laughs) To pay attention. Do, do a number of these change or end or become something completely different if the Democrats take the Congress? Um, I'm not. Well, obviously, the inspector general, he can't really be touched. That's kind of its own thing. Mueller, that's, again, also its own thing. He can't get dismissed. The only person, as we know, that can dismiss him is the deputy attorney general, who obviously was a Trump appointee. So I would say right now, Mueller's safe. Right now, the inspector general Horowitz is pretty safe. The congressional committees, I think... For the most part, they're probably, I don't know, Congress is so dysfunctional. They have so many different things going on that I think even if Democrats take back the House and Senate, there's still so many other billions of things that almost take more precedence that Hmm. the Democrats would focus on. But again, don't quote me on that. I think we do see a lot of good bipartisanship in Senate intelligence and Senate judiciary. Those are obviously Republican-led committees, but they're pretty good about bipartisanship in their investigations. I think House intelligence has just become so politicized. Right. They can announce a cure for cancer. I wouldn't believe them. Yeah. Uh, I know. They're they're, an interesting little committee over there. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Kelly Cohen of the Washington Examiner is on the line. Meanwhile, your uh, colleague Diana Correll is writing about the newly revealed Strzok messages. Remember old uh, Agent Strzok and his sweetheart? (laughs) And and allegedly... These newly discovered text messages, where'd they find them, strongly success, uh, suggest that there was an effort of coordination, including members of the White House, CIA, FBI, and Justice Department, to do something. I, you know, I would hope there is coordination between the FBI and the Justice Department and the White House doing good stuff. Um, have you followed right. that story at all? I followed it here and there only because... When those remember when those first text messages between the two came out, that was months ago. I feel like we've had 25 billion news cycles and 25 different news scandals. Um, I think they're definitely something to watch. I think obviously we see with the committees investigating, especially House Oversight with Bob Goodlatte. He's been really pushing it. 
Homeland Security Committee has really been pushing it. I think we're probably going to see more text messages. Those committees have so many different document requests. Um, Homeland Security Committee and um, House Judiciary, Senate Judiciary, they have so many different document requests out to the FBI and the DOJ that I think, again, I think are going to come out and we're going to see some more things. But just based on, you know, my conversations with people and including other journalists, the page struck things I don't think is as big of a deal as some people make it. How come I never got any of the sexy texts? I mean, yeah, come on, you're having those. an affair and there's no sexy text? And and how about like the relationship text? Do you want to do pizza tonight? I'm tired of pizza. Well, what do you want? Anything you want. How about Thai? I don't like You just want to eat pizza because you hate my mother. That uh, sort of what? stuff. We never those got any of that. Are interesting. I, I don't care where, for me, like, I don't care where you are on the political spectrum. Reading someone's text messages between two people having affairs makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got uh, two questions. This one I want a very short answer to because I don't want to get into it very far. Is the, the people you talk to, reporters, does anybody have any, any idea when Mueller's going to be done or would that just be a complete guess? That's going to be a complete guess. Okay, so nobody has any idea. So then this question, the new investigation, does it have very tight parameters, or can it go far afield like Mueller and end up investigating all kinds of crazy stuff? The new Inspector General report announced just now. Correct. Um, I think that it'll stay. Well, if you actually read, there was a letter that was released by Grassley and Graham last night from Horowitz to them, since they were the ones that have been pushing for a second special counsel, right? They want a second special counsel to investigate this bias, this, you know, use of the dossier, because obviously, like I said, an inspector general can't subpoena, he can't bring criminal charges. So they want the second inspector general. Horowitz, you know, said, you know, I'm going to investigate it because you guys wanted me to, but so far no special counsel. But he wrote a letter to Graham and Grassley late last night that kind of said, I'm keeping it in between what you guys want. I'm going to look in to see how the dossier got on the specific person, Carter Page, and I'm going to keep it that way. He's not going to investigate kind of other things. He said he's not going to investigate Michael Flynn. He's not going to investigate. Um, okay, we're not going to end up at Stormy Windows. Daniels from FISA court. Yeah, right. Uh, so I think the Inspector General. It, he usually, in most of their investigations, all Inspector Generals across the agency stay pretty tight. Okay, good, good. Final question for Kelly yeah. Cohen of the Washington <laughs> Examiner. You're a big sports fan, big baseball fan. Your team of choice on this yeah. exciting opening day is oh, the Nationals. Oh, a Nationals <laughs> fan. I've, I've been to the park. Yeah. It's a great place to watch baseball. Oh. Baseball's great in D.C., especially when it's warm out. It's so great. Yeah, yep. Kelly Cohen, thanks, Kelly. Good to talk to you. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. Opening day, 19, I'm saying, 88, 89. There you were. Beer in hand. Beer in other hand. Sorry, I sneezed. I'm allergic to nostalgia. (laughs) Um, Opening day, 88, I'm thinking Kansas City Royals, beautiful Royals Stadium. I I get drunk, fall asleep in a tank top, get horribly sunburned, and don't know who won the game. Wow. So. Wow. But we know who lost. Did you have that good uh, tank top tan line for? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know who won? Skin cancer. Oh, boy. What? <laughs> wow. Opening yeah. day. Yeah. Opening day baseball. I'm not sure I've ever been to an opening day. Oh, really? No, I think I've been to Cubs opening day once. Years and years ago. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's something to claim. It, yeah. Because it was always cold as hell in Chicago. Too, I know the connected, we've, we've seen this just from being around the radio stations. The connected always go to opening day and then saying you were at opening day is a thing. And even if you're there for 10 minutes. Right. They never pay attention the rest of the season. And there's no, if you're as a baseball fan, there's no real reason to make that a priority or over the second game of the, of the three game series. 
Really? Sure. That's ah, exciting. It's festive. You get to see the best pictures usually. Yeah. There's yeah. a good point. And it's festive. Yeah. And I love a festive. Festive is cool. Oh, yeah. Um, our text line's 415-295-KFTC. Yes, yet another investigation being launched. Oh, God. Stop it. I don't even care anymore. Yeah. Um, did we get to some reaction to the Sacramento Chief of Police interview? Yeah. What everybody thought say? it was fantastic. Well, they were just hailing us more or less as heroes. So. Wow. Um, well, well, that's appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Line. It's 415-295-KFTC. We got a bunch of texts. Coming up, Rockland kindergarten teacher caught in firestorm over transgendered book named Teacher of the Year. Oh, you got a gal who decided to teach five and six year olds that you might actually be a little boy if you're a little girl, and that's okay. You should think about it because lots of people aren't boys or girls or both or neither or whatever. Five and six year olds completely mystified, confused sure. by all of it, had no way to grasp any of it. Uh, she decided uh, to teach the kids that, and now some association has named her the uh, Teacher of the Year. So, super. Mm, wow. Super duper. Some of you work so hard. Oh, my God. Yeah. Good luck. A uh, few texts. The post office, uh, Trump tweeting about Amazon today. And uh, one thing he mentions is the, the how they're ruining our post office. I hardly ever use the post office at this point in my life. And it plays such a small role in my life. That... Well, are you a grandmother sending out birthday checks? Then no, you probably don't. <laughs> um, the post office has a special deal with Amazon to deliver their parcels for about half that of other delivery companies, regardless of size and weight. I'm a carrier for USPS, uh, and Amazon is killing us. Wow. So, there you go. So much like Amazon itself, the Postal Service decided we've just got to get a piece of this, even if we lose money for a while, and we'll figure it out down the road. How is that I think Amazon's that was probably their, their, their strategy. But How is like, it Amazon's fault? Yeah, isn't that so, more of a problem with no, the USPS than it it's is not Amazon's, Amazon's fault at all? Okay. But it, it Trump might, just hates Jeff Bezos. Yeah, right, right. But it might end up being like uh, raising minimum wage, and so they decide, you know what, we just won't have cooks. We'll let robots do it. Um, you raise it on Amazon, and, and and they'll say, okay, we'll just develop our own system. Right. Just forget y'all. Right. Um, which could actually happen. They're that big. Um, fantastic job with the Sacramento Police Chief interview. Thank you, guys. That's why I've listened to you for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. We got a number of those. I don't think we got was, one complaint. I was hoping not to screw it up. There were a few usual. people that said he didn't answer the questions. God, he was more forthcoming than I expected by far. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you what, given the situation in Sacramento right now, and, and, and nationwide, honestly, and given the position the chief is in, I thought he was remarkably candid. He was not completely candid, but there was just... Uh, you know, I don't, I don't you know wouldn't what world be either. you live in. Yeah. You wouldn't be either. You should have asked him what advice he has for criminals running from the police and how not to get shot. That would have been a good question. That is a pretty decent question. Yeah. Oh, here you go. Learn nothing from the interview with the chief. Who called the police and why? Et cetera. Learned nothing. Interesting conclusion. Well, <laughs> that's, maybe you're incapable of learning. I think maybe <laughs> that's uh, the problem. Let me see what else it says. Uh, once on the news, I saw where someone tried to break into a neighboring home, but how many cars were broken into? Why was the guy running from the police? 
that, that, those are all good questions. Do you, uh, in any neighborhood... Oh, we weren't gonna, he wasn't going to talk to us about that. He wasn't going to break down his, the, the dude's criminal record. Come on. No, but any any neighborhood, any time of night, you call and uh, 911 say you got somebody breaking into houses, do you always send a helicopter and stuff like that? Or did something else happen along the line? I don't know. I don't know. But he was breaking windows specifically. Um, we, so Allegedly. Th- then... Coincidentally, and it's honest to God a coincidence because we'd been chasing this guy for a while. Uh, a reporter for the New York Times wrote an article about testa lying and that being a thing among police. We got this text. I joined the San Diego Police Department back in 1979, and testa lying was a well established term back then. But we also got this. I've been a deputy sheriff since 1993. I've never even heard the term testa lying, and I work in a department with 400 sworn officers. Well, you're, you must be a little naive or something, because I've heard it from cops. That might be true in larger cities, but we are held accountable accountable here, which is why I haven't seen it or heard of it. So Okay, well, go. all right, good for you. Those are two texts on If that you topic. have a well-policed police agency, good. That's excellent. I'm glad to hear it. Um. So tonight... Because you've had a couple of professional NBA basketball games in Sacramento where the fans were not able to get in because of the protesters. You tried to go the other night, and you said they actually locked the doors just so they wouldn't have to deal with it. Right. Yeah, you you removed the incentive, so now there's no reason for me to try to get past the protesters. I can't get in anyway. Not a good long-term plan, obviously. This has to be worked out somehow, and the, the announcement has gone out from the police and the brother of the dead guy. Tonight, the fans should be able to get into the basketball game. Yeah, peace, 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 everybody. So we'll see if it happens. I mean, they that will have an influence, the words of the brother, the words of the family, but it will not influence everyone. So what are you expecting? You're implying something. I don't know what to expect. Huh? I'd, to You're say, implying. I'd say to ins- assume that it's going to be peaceful, it's, 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 it's a bit of a leap. Well, if it's not, though, that, then who do you point fingers at? The uh, violent, uh, angry people. I mean, what's what's your argument for causing troubles tonight when you got the brother of the dead guy who we saw how worked up he was the other night at the city council meeting? He cares about this uh, certainly as much as you. Um, and he's saying, no, nah, this is not the way to handle it. Devil's advocate, I disagree with him on strategy. We need to get as much attention as possible. The way you get attention is violence. Okay. Uh, there's a lot. That's Antifa's whole thing. And it's it, also we don't have to make sense. We just need to create violence so we get attention. It's also very possible that as these things get more and more attention, more people who aren't as directly connected to the initial incident begin to use it as a reason to kind of join in these things. Yeah, I think it'll be a small number tonight. There'll be an overwhelming police presence, and uh, I don't think it'll be much of a problem. I'm I hope. guessing not much of a problem. I, I also think that the, the Kings... Joining these partnerships, kind of working together, like if there's going to be a table, maybe set up, get some ballot or get some signatures for ballot. You know, there's a lot of things they can do to work oh. together for it. Too. A way to release the pressure, something like that. Yeah, that's a good, that'd be a good idea. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, with the high-profile funeral for the unarmed black man shot by Sacramento police, family and city officials are indeed trying to keep things calm. It costs more to house a prisoner in California nowadays than to go to Harvard. Stories coming up minutes from now. Armstrong and Giddy. were in town for a couple of days, kind of on short notice to uh, help us deal with some family situations, but always good to have visits from the grandparents. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kids sure enjoyed it. Lots of showing off on the the trampoline, the go-kart, the bicycles, etc., etc. 
On a less cheery note, fubbing is hurting your relationship. Fubbing? Stay with us. Are you fubbing your spouse? F-U-B-B-I-N-G? Nobody else better be. P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G? Si, senor. If anybody else is fubbing my spouse, I'll shoot him. Better run for their life. Exactly. Uh, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, ahead of today's funeral for his brother, Stefan Clark, shot by police earlier this month, Stevante Clark is apologizing to Sacramento's mayor for his angry outburst at this week's city council meeting. Stevante! Yeah, thank you. Shut the f- up, please. Tell him we don't hear fuck. He's not the mayor no more. Stevante now telling ABC. I want to apologize to the mayor. That's why I came here to apologize to the mayor, because I didn't want his family seeing that, and I never want to talk to him like that. I respect him for winning that office. He deserves that office. He worked his behind off of that. Don't nobody deserve to come in here and disrespect his house. I disrespected his house. I disrespected his house. I owe that man an apology. Stevante also asking people who are upset about the shooting not to try and block fans from going to the Sacramento Kings game tonight, as they have twice before. But that's not cool. We don't support people shutting down our businesses. Sacramento Kings love us. They could have left and went anywhere, but they stayed here in our city. We should respect them and love them. If you love me, you will love the Kings. If you shout Stefan Clark, you will never protest at the Kings Arena again. If you do, you do not love me. Period. So I just asked you to do something and you didn't do it. Have we nailed down how young uh, or old this uh, this guy is? No, I haven't. Let me do some more. You, see, you know what? He's an interesting young man. He, it's a very candid and... and, and honest apology. I admire him for that. I've got an idea. Well, I don't want to say anything I don't know. He seems to be a mercurial fellow. uh, Difficult to know uh, moment to moment how he's going to be. Well, he was certainly wound up and uh, willing to go, you know, pretty extreme with his rhetoric at the city council meeting and then you know, a day later is way calm about it. Apologize, shame face. Says some really nice uh, diplomatic things about the community. Right. Uh, all right. Sacramento on edge ever since the shooting of the unarmed 22-year-old. Reverend Al Sharpton is going to be giving the eulogy for Stefan at today's funeral. That's, that's how you calm things down. You bring in Al Sharpton. You ever heard about Al Sharpton's presidential campaign where he stayed in the presidential suite at every hotel and ate and drank lavishly and squandered all his uh, contributors' money on his own high life while never for a moment intending to actually be the president or seriously run for right. Quite the character, Al Sharpton. It now costs $75,560 a year to house a prisoner in California. That's reasonable. I'm that, sorry, how much? $75,560 per inmate. It's insane. That is more than the annual cost of attending Harvard University. In fact, okay, it's... I, I, I get the irony of that or whatever you would call it. I don't understand why people use that comparison all the time. All I want to know is what it costs to house somebody in prison in other states, and I know it's half that in most states. It, the cost in California, highest per inmate cost in the nation. Well, it's not even close is the thing. And the cost for each inmate has doubled since 2005. Even of as course, various, that makes perfectly good sense. Even as court orders dealing with overcrowding has cut the population by about a quarter. And what's the cumulative inflation been since 05? 15%, maybe something like that, I don't know. But it sure as hell not 100. Salaries and benefits for prison guards and medical providers driving much of the increase, according to the L.A. Times. <laughs> you think? Apple CEO Tim Cook has some really harsh words about Facebook's growing problems. In a Recode MSNBC interview, Cook said he would not have put Apple in the situation that Facebook is in. Cook said Apple elected not to monetize consumers 
making consumers the product. Facebook is dealing with the growing controversy over the massive data mining. Because you're Apple. You have products to sell. Facebook doesn't. All they have is our information to sell. So you're defending evildoers by pointing out that they're evildoers. I don't understand your rationale, Sean. And fans of this annual ritual will either be sad or happy to learn the tickets for Burning Man are sold out. Tickets went on sale at $425 a pop. 26,000 tickets were sold in less than half an hour. I'm going to start a festival called Burning Dude in the California desert, and it's going to be similar, but it won't be quite as policed up and and weird and corporate as, I guess, Burning Man's become. Yeah. Burning Man happens between August 26th, September 3rd. This year's theme, my friends, is iRobot. iRobot. All right. I have never been to a Burning Man. I would love to go. I wish I'd have gone years ago. Seems like there's a certain window of peak Burning Man experience, and I, I I don't know what it is, but I feel like it's behind me. Yeah, but we're all talking having never been to right. Ben, and I have been to a number of things in my life where people said, "Oh, it used to be great," and I went long after it was supposedly not great anymore, and it was still freaking fantastic. Even if it was Many less things. great, I mean, if it's Many great, things. it's great. So yeah, you never know. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Yeah! You're being stolen from every day in a variety of ways. And the latest is this. They've doubled the cost of a prisoner per year in California since 2005. It's just stealing from the taxpayers. Nobody cares. And nobody cares. And you can't get anybody worked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, what is it? Did you say it was in California? 75 70 whatever. Geez, yeah, yep. Uh, like New York, another blue state. Um Big population, they like coastal, big, expensive real big estate, government, all high cost it, of living. They're a distant second at sixty nine thousand, but all across the country, it's generally more like forty thousand. Right, right. Uh, but you know, you don't care for whatever. Well, reason. New York is also mobbed up. Um, you know, the unions own the government and the rest of it. Sure, which is which is which is drive it. What is driving the cost? Right. Yeah. yeah. You know what would be absolutely hilarious is if somebody did a detailed study of cops and prison guards in California and polled them on all of their attitudes about societal problems, government, blah, blah, blah. You would find the vast, vast, vast majority of them would seem to be conservatives. And yet they vote Democrat every single election. It's a curious thing, isn't it? They're voting their self-interest. Yeah, it's great if you're a prison guard. Good job. Yeah, I don't mind there being really aggressive prison guard unions, for instance. I, I mind the fact that they're on both sides of the bargaining table. Yeah. Um, so the petering out is coming up in just a few minutes. I love that. Big fan of the petering out. Like to, We like to, you know, ease on out the door. Taper off. Sure. So uh, what do you call it? You're a cool down. Exactly. If you run a long race, you don't just lie down on the street and breathe hard. That's actually, that actually is what I do at the end of all races. I just lie down on the street and breathe hard. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. the nation.
One more little quick add-on to the story about how uh, the cost of housing a prisoner for a year in California has doubled since 2005 as the number of inmates has gone down. And it's now seventy-some thousand dollars a year, which is just insane. Uh, also, the corrections department has one employee for every two inmates, compared to one employee for every four inmates in 1994. Wow. Well, of course, you remember 1994, where the inmates were just they were they were regularly getting out of prison and roaming across the landscape committing crimes because there weren't enough employees. But they've gone from one in four to one in two. Now that is notable. We had somebody emailed. I haven't a glance at it, and I was thinking the same thing. Walking the halls, you know, if the number of prisoners was reduced significantly, then the budget per prisoner would increase, just as a function mm. of mathematics. There you go. And the judge did say, you know, you got too many damn prisoners. Of course, then we got two. Get, we got one you, employee for every two prisoners. And don't you got to get rid of people or whatever? Somehow. Or to get smaller, cheaper prisons or something? I mean, so are you saying if we had one prisoner in the whole state of California, it would have to cost $18 billion a year or whatever exactly. their budget is? Well, it would <laughs> automatically, be $18 billion just, per prison. You just keep the same budget no matter how many prisoners you have? Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, okay. Um, fubbing, snubbing someone you're talking to to look at a cell phone. Fubbing. Say that again? Fubbing. Well, I Snubbing <laughs> someone you're talking to oh. to look at a cell phone. That's why it's spelled with a PH. You know, I saw this and I thought, you know, we had for the longest time when my kids were living at home, we had the rule no phones at the table for meals. Um, and But Judy and I kind of have ours now. And, you know, it's not like I just pick it up idly and start flipping through it as we're talking. But I might say, you know, why don't I, let me see if they uh, emailed yet or blah, blah, blah. And I'm starting to think maybe we reinstate the old rule. Just because it, if you're focused on each other for an extended period, it changes the chemistry in a good way, I think. You know, unless you hate each other, then I suggest you have your phones and maybe a tablet as well. Um, uh, bah, 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 bah. It may not be part of your everyday vocabulary, almost certainly part of your everyday life. Just think about how often a conversation stalls because your friends or you have pulled out a phone and descended into an Instagram black hole or whatever your particular... Uh, I'm, phone thing is. I'm fine with uh, you know what were you just you were just discussing, but I think we're uh, you know we grew up in an era before those phones. <laughs> just like looking at my nieces and their friends and stuff like that, they just seem to have a rhythm to it. They're all looking at their phones all the time. Mm-hmm. They hang out with each other, so they obviously you know want the interaction, and they just kind of like have conversations while going back and forth. There seems to be just kind of like an unwritten. Right. It's like a, the, like, a, like, a, like music or something. Here's why it matters. Research. Oh, I think it's bad, but I just think it's the way it's going to be. Um, you know, yeah, for some to some extent and for some amount of time. Although I, you know, it's I'm occasionally reassured that humanity recognizes when it's doing something really bad or stupid, and at least some people think I don't want to live that way. Um, insanity returns, but. Research is uh, finding that it may be hurting your relationships. According to a psychologist at Stanford and Yale, oh my God, how insufferable insufferable has she got to be? Well, at least it's not Harvard. Anyway. She never stops talking about it. Ironically, fubbing is meant to connect you, presumably, with someone through social media or texting. Uh, She's the author of The Happiness Track. But it can actually severely disrupt your present moment in-person relationships. Obviously. The happiness track sounds like something that your high school gym teacher 
<laughs> like called the thing that he made you run laps on when you were being a jerk in football. Hey, hey yeah. go to the happiness track. Give me seven laps. Right. Right. Paper just published in the Journal of Applied Psychology found that even people who imagined they were being fubbed while viewing a simulated conversation felt more negatively about the interaction than people who didn't picture fubbing. Uh, I, I just think everybody pretends like it doesn't piss them off because you don't want to, quote unquote, make a big deal of it and because you're about to do it to somebody else. Exactly. Yeah, but I just think it's it's the shallowing of human relationships. That I'm always going on about calling barely acquainted people on Facebook your friends. I mean, I don't that's know, just unhealthy. I don't know what it would be like to be a 16-year-old who's grown up with your parents doing that all the time and all your friends doing that all the time. Maybe yeah. you wouldn't be offended by it because it's every human being you've ever interacted with. And you had just settled into the warm, welcoming pool of substandard and shallow relationships. You might not even notice your And being... maybe your suicide rate would skyrocket and anxiety rates would be through the hey, roof. I'm not trying to argue it's good. I'm just saying it is I'm not arguing is. with you. I'm arguing with the world, <laughs> with society. That'll end well. And I'm prepared to take y'all on. Bring it, bitches. Probably don't even notice you're being fubbed because you're fubbing the person that you're standing with. Fub you, that's what I say. All right. You that's know, what Joe said. The reason you don't call people on is you're about to do it to them or someone else. Yeah, mutual fubbing. Yeah. In the latest, takes two to fub, Sean. <laughs> In the latest study on the subject, fubbing was found to threaten four fundamental needs. A, having enough time to finish a segment. <laughs> B, height. <laughs> C, am I hot or not? <laughs> no, belongingness, self-esteem, meaningful existence, and control. We will talk about this more tomorrow. Yeah, that's a good one. Fubbing. Uh, fub you. That's right. And now it's time for final thoughts with those two hotties, Armstrong and Getty, and the other guys, too. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to think. What would you call it if somebody fubbed their mother? How would you describe them? <laughs> I know. I know. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Hey, Michelangelo, final thought? All right. This is a uh, message to the umpires today on opening day. Show us some love. I want to hear strike two. You're out. Or ball three. Take a base. There's too much pine tar on that bat. You're out of here. Wow. You just want the game to be a little more swift, huh? Hey, there's 161 to go. Let us win opening day. Uh, let's see. Positive Sean, final thought? Ordered my computer yesterday after my desktop and my laptop both went kaput within about a couple weeks of each other. I'm so excited. When it comes in, I, I got a I got a powerful thing. I'm going to be putting Teslas in space with this thing. <laughs> Marsha Phillips, final thought. I am heading <laughs> off to my secret lottery purchasing location. A clean, well-lit, clean, well-lit place filled with upwardly mobile folk. Mega millions up and over half a billion dollars right now, folks. <sighs> Jack, do you have a final thought for us? When's the drawing? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, so you got to get your ticket now, obviously. Yep. Uh, grandma and Grandpa in to visit, well, I guess me also, but uh, their grandchildren. And, man, you only get so many of those. Only so many of those left in your life. And it was a nice, and we took lots of pictures. Indeed, yep. Hey, go to armstrongandgetty.com to listen to our world-exclusive interview with the Sacramento Police Chief Daniel Hahn. Also see our latest hilarious video, Getting the Perfect Driver's License. It is some fine... <laughs> docu drama. I am playing the role of the young idiot, I believe. Uh, well, yes. Well, that's, yeah, that's the name my, you were called at one point. Your name came up quickly when we were discussing who would who should play that role. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it's even credited as that at the end. The young idiot. Uh, my final thought is I'm really busy. I got a hundred things to do today, but I'm going to take a couple minutes and watch some baseball. It just feels like springtime. Man! 
man, I love baseball. Will you be fubbing baseball, or can you just sit there with the slow-paced national pastime and just take it in without checking the phone? I'm not going to lie. Beer helps. Yeah. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Please do go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can email us. If there's something we ought to be talking about or you have an opinion on the things we've been talking about, send it along. Keep it short, would you please? Uh, Armstrongandgetty.com. Will the fans get into the NBA game in Sacramento tonight? We'll have the latest on that tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. Bye-bye. Trump's giving me the nukes. Bloody boom. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.